0: Hey friends, if you spend some time on the internet, as many of us do, you'll run into folks that call themselves ex-vangelicals. There's a hashtag, hashtag exvangelical. There's also an ex-Mormon movement. There's a hashtag Exmo. Well, maybe there should be a hashtag ex-Lutheran. Haven't seen a lot of that, but that's kind of what we're talking about today. We go to church. Stacy and I are uh, ex-Lutherans and while it's been very interesting to see what people talk about as some of the life struggles that they have coming out of and deconstructing their evangelical Christian experience and uh, way of thinking, Stacy and I are just going to reflect on some ways that we in the ex-Lutheran world have similar and sometimes overlapping but distinct experiences and stresses and struggles and uh, and also joys as we find ourselves liberated from some of these themes in Lutheranism. Really, we're talking about conservative Lutheranism, the sort that you would find in, uh, you know, the hardcore uh, Wisconsin Synod or the evangelical Lutheran Synod or some of the even smaller breakaway groups. Um, but it's also, of course related to our experience with the lutheran church missouri synod something that is the second largest lutheran church body in america well we're going to talk about how coming out of that uh, is a unique experience and and we're reflecting on some of those other negative experiences that we had in that lutheran world now there are also a bunch of progressive and interesting lutherans in the broader worldwide lutheran world but a lot of those uh, contexts are not as definitively Lutheran as they would have been a while back. But even there, there's a way of thinking about what Christianity is, the central focal points of it, the the relationship between mysticism, action, and doctrine—all of that—we're going to unpack it a little bit. If that's not something that you care about, skip along, and we'll uh, catch you at the next uh, opportunity to chat with something uh, or to chat about something that you care about. But even if you're not an ex-Lutheran, it might be interesting to hear what our experience is like and uh, get a little bit of a peek into something that is all around you, friends, because it's there's Lutherans all around in America, but they're a little uh, quieter uh, unless you get close, and then they uh, get a little bit of a bark if you are Lutheran friends we love you a lot we know there's a lot of cool themes within the Lutheran tradition things that influenced Western thought and culture for the better but as a religious ideology we found some problems with it that affect society itself the way we deal with the economy and politics and life and gender relationships that's what we're talking about with you friends so glad you're with us let's go
1: Right, right. right.
0: Stacy, it's been a while <laughs> since we've even been in that world, the yeah. Lutheran world. Yeah. But it still is with us, wouldn't you say?
2: Oh, yeah. I mean, well, Christianity. Yeah. Then, you know, then you kind of go through the other experience and then most recently being involved in that, uh, you know, conservative Lutheran setting um, very much. So uh, uh, I would say that one of the one of the hugest pieces that I feel like um, I still am trying to overcome uh, is the fact that as a woman, I w- did not think I was not ever considered equal um, so in contributions to any work environments that were in a Lutheran setting is like the, the dude's voices mattered. Yeah. The chicks were kind of annoying when they talked. Um, they were a lot annoying when they talked, um, but they really didn't like value those opinions. It wasn't an equal. They would never be thought of as like that, that they're in any kind of leadership. It's more uh, like they're in supporting roles of what the dudes tell you to do. Right. But when it came to ideas or, even cautions or anything like that. Um, the f- the female voice was definitely secondary and didn't really, it just, it barely mattered.
0: And that affects the way?
2: It affects the way that I, so I realized that like my view of myself as less my, and my voice not being um, as important, you know, and trying to learn to find my voice because right. I believe that like, definitely when I was younger, I'm a strong person. I, I, I would have voice, a voice and an opinion about things, but it kind of got like beat out of me, if yeah. you know, um, that like, yeah, that that's not, that's not my role. So then I would, then I would like kind of think of myself like, Oh, these things, um, like it just, it affected so much of my life. I didn't think psychology was worth pursuing because it wasn't considered even like a good thing. I was of the, the devil. Um, and so I'm still kind of suffering cause I think I really, like my I, I, if I, right now, if I were a psychologist, I, I think that would be a very, very happy space for me.
0: That's what you um, kind of meant to do.
2: I think so. And so basically, but now it's like, what to go on to get my master's degree and then all the stuff in order to and I'm get just more too, old. I'm too old. I'm too nah, and yeah. it would be it costs too much. I missed I missed that window um that would have made it worth it, right? Um and so I'm finding other ways to sort of use that same skill set and um, you know, and and find other ways to apply it without being a psychologist or that that um I don't know, that official capacity, right? Like right. just finding ways to, um, you know, still be around people, walk, walk, them, I mean, being a death duel, right? Walking them through a major, I don't know, a major lifetime. Um,
0: there, there is some of that in evangelicalism, certainly. You've got sexism. You've got this idea that women should be submissive. That's, that's been with us. I think the thing that's unique about the Lutheran scene even unique when you compare it to other traditions like the Roman Catholics who do not have women priests, there are still women that are Catholic scholars. Mm-hmm. And there was this sense that women talking was bad magic in conservative Lutheranism.
2: Yeah. They they shouldn't be teaching men at all.
0: And you weren't supposed to really have your own opinion. So even when right. within evangelicalism, there were women, even if you couldn't be a senior pastor, that would be teachers that we knew, you know, like you were supposed Mm -hmm. to have a take on biblical texts. You were, you were valued in terms of the conversation you would have at a small group Bible study.
2: Well, and then women that went on and got more training, um, in that field or whatever, like they were still respected for some of the knowledge that they had and, uh,
0: Now, not always. I mean, of course, there's all those like, you know, the Beth Moore, whatever, the Southern Baptists, but, but I just, I think it's important for people to realize if you are an ex-Lutheran, it, it is a very strange thing that in that world, if you're a woman, you're really not even that interesting as a CPA. And, you know, more recently, I just thought it was really interesting. The last university where I was, you know, I don't know the ins and outs. And so it just appears to me, I can't make this claim. Uh, but I think it would be pretty easy to to back myself up uh, as uh, having some justification for thinking this. It seemed that there was n- there was no way that a woman was ever going to be considered for the presidency of Concordia. Right. And then we left, mm-hmm. scuttled my career. We're you know having to scrape by you know, and, and hustle to, to keep the finances flowing. Worth it but hard and mm-hmm. and then i think about you know how how many of these opportunities there are around the country you've got these lutheran colleges but when one of the concordias wanted to have a diverse hire at least they said so in their advertising for a position as uh, for presidency the president of the senate matthew harrison who is never been a fan of me even when i was you know receiving an award for uh the church history within american lutheranism uh, wouldn't talk to me you know just, I, mean, I don't know he just he, he was not definitely not a fan of mine um it really i think the first time he ever learned about who i was is when we interviewed uh, the, it was the gina eilers special where a former lcms pastor um had uh, come out as trans and we were very supportive on a podcast uh, prior to ours it was the virtue in the wasteland podcast i'll link to it on the show notes at protectyournoggin.org we have all the podcasts uh, all the episodes there's show notes for them check that out and i'll link to that and other things we might mention but we um you know we got a call like my president my college president got a call you know or email or whatever from this guy, Matthew Harrison, mm-hmm. you know, obviously mm-hmm. furious because I mean, this is even looking back, I, I think that was several years ago. And now things have, you know, since, uh, since the Trump movements and all that, we've seen people getting emboldened,
1: mm.
0: right? So before you're, you're saying, I'm going to shut this guy down, but we know that the dominant culture is moving in the direction where people are going to want to side with Jeff's take on this. hmm but anyway, so he, the same guy, Matthew Harrison, is the same guy who intervened with a, with a fellow who was a pastor on the East Coast that was um praying with other people related to the Sandy Hook, Sandy Hook shooting. Yeah. And well, our, so he
2: got in trouble because he prayed with the community. With non-Lutherans. That were non-Lutherans. Yeah, he was well. he was
0: serving people as a human being, but also as a follower of Jesus as a pastor. And he did so in a way that wasn't very Lutheran. So like, this is not something that evangelicals deal with where there's a young man who's probably, you know, I don't know, but you know, the young pastor probably believes the earth is, is young or something, you know, probably is a, some kind of biblical inerrantist, or at least has to pretend to be. He's not some kind of liberal. But he knows that he's supposed to take care of these families that are grieving, and he, you know he gets in trouble, and then yeah. and then there so was an what? apology. I guess, f- you know, I, I'm not going to rehash all the details. Of
2: right, it. but it, and it seems like what that is it that Lutherans think that um, almost like that they're going to start invoking. A false god or something? Oh, absolutely! Is that what they're that praying is? to? The false
0: god. There. So what happened was there was some uh, online blog. This was not the president at all. This was after this whole thing had come out in the news. Somebody like every once in a while, Christianity Today will will talk about it. We'll say this is what's going on here. This mm-hmm. is interesting to the rest of the Christian world. And so after this came out, I remember one of our kids saw in the comment section on a, the story was a conservative Lutheran pastor saying that what the shooter did at Sandy Hook was wrong. and was bad, but the kids went, you know, straight to heaven. But uh, well, the pastor, or, or maybe, but the pa- what the pastor did by praying with other non-Lutherans was leading people to hell because of taking them down this false idea that Episcopalians that have women pastors are part of the same religion, right? Like there's this idea in Lutheranism. And I guess is what I'm saying. I was sold this idea that Lutheranism is you are loved by God unconditionally. You don't even get loved by God because you convert. You're just loved. That's the default, and then only you if could, you're
2: Lutheran, I guess.
0: Well, yeah, but like the <laughs> idea is everybody's loved, and I mean, you no, know, there's like people there within the theology. You, you know, you you can be saved and not be Lutheran, but there's these other ideas. There's always the uh, ideas. I would even ask people if 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 I'm a perfect Lutheran, but I believe in in evolution, mm-hmm. can I be saved? And a lot of times they will, will no. I mean, I would get this from pa- like pastors, and th- like they would just none of we know. Or if, if I'm perfect in my Lutheranism, except I believe that women should be pastors no, like that was almost like you have left the fold and you're, you're going to be damned for having the wrong belief.
2: Well, and that's, so that's another carryover is yes yeah, that. The, that
0: was the big one. Yeah.
2: Because it's like when you're thinking of exiting the Lutheran scene, uh, you really have to kind of then take a look at your eternal soul and, and uh, am I damning myself to hell? Um, will God like, you know, cast me out into the depths Forgetting of hell Forgetting the multiple
0: choice questions, you know? wrong because this is the idea. So the, you know, so the first thing I think, yeah, to put it into, you know, very concrete terms here, uh, well, maybe not concrete terms, but like, you know, um, maybe clearer. <laughs> the, the first thing is I noticed that there was all this anxiety about, um, getting it wrong when you're doing the basic spiritual things. So having a time when people are praying together, and I remember a lot of the time people would say this. I mean, I would see people having a great deal of stress if they were a psychology professor or, you know, a business professor and they were with a group of other Lutheran professors and they gave a Bible, like a Bible or not a Bible study. That would be totally wrong. Um, Like I couldn't even really speak in chapel because I wasn't ordained. Like I did on like weird chapels, you know, but like, If you're a woman, you're not, you know, you're not supposed to really be doing this necessarily praying with everybody. But we would have the situation where before every meeting, there's a little prayer. It Mm -hmm. could be an otherwise a very secular feeling meeting, but it's going to start out with this prayer and there's going to be a devotion. And so sometimes some woman's going to get the devotion and then is going to have to wait for all of the spanking emotional yeah. spanking that's going to come because she didn't say it right at the end in the name of the triune God in her prayer. Maybe she said, you know, in your name or like whatever. Well, and, and, or got the doctrine wrong.
2: Yes. And getting the doctrine wrong is huge. Like the whole thing would get picked apart.
0: Right. And I've then, seen people in tears. About yeah. This. And you
2: pretty much get humiliated.
0: And the reason that 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 first thing is just the anxiety. The second thing is there's something I think very unhealthy about the hyper cognitive nature of American conservative Lutheranism. It's so afraid to be too emotive like the evangelicals that it goes in this, you know, extreme direction where all we're really supposed to do is we go through the church service and they're going to tell us that we are really, really bad, but don't worry. Christ's blood covers over that. If you believe the right thing about communion, you can have some of it. And this is good magic and good medicine for you.
2: Well, and then it's also sort of like, okay, church isn't supposed to be entertaining. So it, even the fact that it, it's boring is okay yeah. because it's all cognitive. It's not about yeah. your body, your feelings, or you don't need to want to come to church. You don't need no, to want to be there. It's actually better if you
0: it's like, if you don't want to be there, you're almost, it's almost, there was this masochism to it that I never, you're there to expected. get the word
2: and sacrament and then... Get it. You know.
0: Now, some people can pretend like they love it, but like everyone's bored. They're all... I've seen everyone's bored, They're you know. Everyone's so bored. bored. But we if you ha- try to entertain, we should, we should then that's that, bad.
2: That, that picture where we were bored
0: Oh, church. I can't. I can't. I don't want to do that. Uh. No. I mean, but yeah, there, there, somebody snapped a picture of us and we were miserable and we said, oh yeah, we can't do this anymore. The family was miserable. We were miserable. Our friends were miserable. Our friends who were still conservative Lutherans, everyone just looked miserable. (laughs) And that's like, ooh, that's good because we must be getting our medicine.
2: (laughs) Yes, yeah, It
0: needs to burn if it stays. And the other thing I, and so like the third thing I noticed was I never in evangelicalism thought that if I didn't go to church on Sunday, that like that was putting my soul in peril. And it was only in the Lutheran world that I found this idea that, you should never worry about your salvation like the Wesleyans, you yeah. know, like the Wesleyans lose their salvation all the time, but you might want to worry about your salvation if you go to soccer on a Sunday. Oh, with yeah. Your that's, I mean,
2: that's what the pastor, when our youngest was getting confirmed, right. that's what the pastor actually, the message to the children was Yeah. Even if you're, if your parents find it acceptable for you not to be to church on Sunday, it is now you Mm. are now in charge of yourself and your, your spiritual, you know, walk Mm. or whatever. They wouldn't even say it that way, but you're, you need to get yourself to church and you might find yourself, uh, you know, slipping away or something and that's not okay. And I, I was just thinking, you know, when these kids go off to, you know, they're doing stuff with high school, they go off to college, like, I would never feel comfortable coming back.
0: No, yeah, because like,
2: it's like I yeah. wasn't there for all those years or something. And it's not like it's not like a, a homecoming. It's you know, where have you been? And then there's so many times where like if you go to church on Easter or Christmas, the pastor will say, "Well, you know, you know we're here every week, you know." And it's like putting guilt on people or something for, you know, not coming all the other time. Like it it just is You just start to feel like, well, if I've missed too much, I'm going to be shamed for that. And I don't really want to go, you know, because I don't want to have to get that shame.
0: And I, I think people would do five stanzas of a hymn, (sighs) like, for what, like, like to, seven, sh- to even show, sometimes like,
2: sometimes seven stanzas. Yeah, we're
0: gonna do them all, and the 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 tunes aren't interesting, and they're just not. I don't even know. But you get this idea that you're always being told, like the uh, like the external story, like the the public story, is you're being sold this idea that you are perfectly forgiven by the blood of Christ alone, Christ alone. That's one of the the things. Mm-hmm. But you're really kind of saved ultimately, by making sure you go to church, believing the right thing about Jesus being the only thing, right? Like, so you've got to go to church. You've got to make sure that you have the right way of saying what it means for Jesus to have died for our sins. You have to know exactly what Luther taught basically about the real presence of Christ in with and under the bread and wine, also, which I still think is hilariously also cool. What, but also <laughs> uh, what Luther I mean, taught. Luther, right. Uh, or in the confessions. Yes. Mm. But i I'm just saying, I, I think what that's the, I still, still is, believe that, that, that th- 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 I still believe that though, that like God is in with and under yes. the bread and wine. Also. I agree. It- Bindi is a taste, bud of God yes. and, and God is, you know, whatever that is, you know, so I'm not against that, but the idea that if you don't believe that, then that communion is going to, be poison, spiritual poison for you. It's like, so the idea is the reason that the pastors are always scowling at everybody to make sure they understand whether you're the right kind of Christian or not before they give you Communion is Cause they were taught in seminary that they are like kind of sending people slowly, I guess they're, they're putting like hell potion in mm-hmm. their mouths mm-hmm. if they let them have it. Mm-hmm. It's like, but that's just so weird. Like that kind of anxiety from the pastor that it's just bizarre, yeah. but that's standard amongst the conservative ones. And and then of course a lot of the kids that grew up in Lutheranism they uh, they they left. Mm-hmm. They often would leave though to uh, other liturgical traditions, like the Eastern Orthodox or the Roman Catholics, because or the Episcopalian scene. They they weren't against the liturgy, but there was just nothing fun about lit- liturgy. Is the ritual and the formalism? You know, there's something that could be very much like a a ritual kind of drama that is helpful. Mm -hmm. And we enjoyed it when we were in England, when we would go to the, the, the song, the anthems. And and
2: I also would say that what was interesting too with England say is like the cathedrals and the buildings and the, even
0: some and and
2: the breathing uh, Anglican church general, like Episcopal pillions, they have
1: beautiful buildings. It'll get you in a good vibe.
0: So I could sit there. Our kids could sit at the St. Mark's cathedral in Seattle yeah, where people would like lie down on the altar or walk a uh, like a what was a compline service, meditative um, prayer labyrinth or whatever. So <laughs> there's stuff that's fun. Yeah. Lutherans, no, you don't do prayer labyrinth. That's way too
2: well and not spiritual. Al- not only that, but like they just did not put much into the as- like aesthetic piece of of the building itself and what that says like it's it can be it could be a portable i mean I, it doesn't matter where you are but what i am saying is that there was no um magic if you will or like right. I, and that's probably the wrong word but i'm just saying it the just, magic
0: is in the words of the preacher who's wearing the robe
2: mm-hmm. so i guess i i Sometimes I would be able to like entertain myself in a beautiful building with, like, yeah, <laughs> you know, I hey, and the, like, and there have
0: been some good, beautiful Lutheran yes, churches, but yes, it's just, it's is. not. I think Garrison Keeler on the old, uh, you know, Garrison Keeler turned out to be creepy, but uh, he had that, uh, you know, Prairie Home companion. Right. I, on one of those, he said something like, like, Lutherans don't have a beautiful outside of their churches because you didn't pay for it, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, and mm-hmm. then when you come in. Like I say You know They'll leave the door ajar Mm -hmm. So Their version of evangelism Is they're gonna let you in But they They have to scowl at you For a long period of time You were gonna say Something else though
2: Yeah And I would also say that For Like the conservative Lutheran churches especially had so many rules outside of their buildings of what they didn't want the community to do with their parking lot or, you know, like no skateboarding, no, it's like all these, like keep the kids away. And I get that like, sometimes things can be, um, you know, disruptive to, you know, like, I don't know, you can maybe ruin the flower garden or something, but I would think that any of that, if, if the kids are willing to come, it's an opportunity for the pastor to come and talk to the, the kids or the community now
0: you're yeah, working with the community that's no now, listen are there people do we, we know a lot of cool people yeah Don, D- dominic rivkin is not like a guy who's you know and i now i don't want anybody being mean to him just because we said something nice but i'm saying we got involved in certain congregations our old friends in those congregations what they're doing is cool being with them was cool
2: yeah. i just yeah. couldn't
0: be a part of the well, church body of
2: like even or really the church win- but when we've gone to um, the conservative Lutheran churches in Colorado and uh, Tennessee, and you know, I mean, well, let's go to the
0: Colorado one. The, the dude in Colorado, there was a dude in, in Niwok, Colorado, who was excommunicated from the LCMS, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. We'll keep saying LCMS, that's our old, you know, mm-hmm. church body. And they wouldn't give outsiders communion. But this guy was kicked out for being, I don't know, he's probably being, I don't know what he did wrong. No. But here's a guy, he's he's excommunicated and he's keeping us from having communion, even though we're actually Lutherans, but he didn't get a chance to examine us. You get the sense if you're in some of these Lutheran churches uh, that you are going to, you're going to get a pop quiz when you go up for communion. It's it, very stressful. And I used to always have to visit places. And I would, I would get sick to my stomach. I was so nervous, not because I cared about anything other than just not having that awkward experience. What's wrong with me if I'm not going to communion? What's wrong with me when I'm going to communion, when I should have talked to somebody first, it's just a great deal of unnecessary anxiety. And
2: the other piece of anxiety for me was whenever anybody, like especially family or whatever, they wanted to come visit, hang out with us and come to church with us. I'd be, you know, have to tell them, sorry, at our church you can't have communion. <laughs> you know, like, right. like that's just it was, it was really awkward, yeah. and it made and, it made it, it made it uncomfortable to to bring outsiders in. You know, and it, I think it would leave like a very unwelcoming, um, oh, you knowness to the whole. No, it's experience. not like wow,
0: like I felt welcome yeah. um, f- again for the most part. There's a whole, b- and there there are all sorts of more evangelical types. I mean, actually in the Lutheran church, Missouri synod, a lot of the big churches, a lot of the thriving churches are more evangelical in their flow. They mm. feel like non-denominational churches I'm
2: just speaking to my experience. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm saying, yeah.
0: but those, those are true. They can't really control the denomination as a whole because of the way their governance structure works. So you've got all these little tiny, angry churches. Mm-hmm. They're kind of irrelevant in their communities, but they're very relevant as a, A voting block, you know, within the context of upcoming presidential elections. I think it's also cute that the Lutherans basically have bishops, but they call themselves district presidents. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You know, and it's so it's like this kind of corporate thing, and they they have a they have a hard time kind of figuring out that zone. I think they want to be they want to be bishops, you know. But the thing is, though, Stacey, you said. Colorado. Then we moved. uh, Well, there's a backwards. We were in, we were in Kentucky. Mm -hmm. There were no Lutheran churches in the area. So we had to drive to Tennessee. Yeah. It was like a long drive, maybe an hour or something. We, We drove down to Tennessee to some very boring, very small, very in the middle of nowhere church. And we would go once a month because it was this massive thing to get us down there. And what did they say when we showed up? Oh, glad you're back to your, uh, you know, your church family. Good to see you finally. I live in another state. I should get a blue ribbon, you know. <laughs> I should get, you know, something like this, you know.
2: Well, and especially because we had uh, an infant, a newborn baby yeah. at the time. Yeah. You know, it's not that Two easy. Two kids, a road trip. I mean, we didn't travel. have a lot of money. Yeah, it's you not know. easy to travel a couple hours, uh, you know, like a three-hour day round trip, you know. Oh,
0: to go, oh and then, to no, trip. and then they want you to go to the Sunday school, and then, you know, well, I'm all the way down there. Maybe we... But we, I meant we, the
2: three hours of just driving, putting little oh. kids in the car for three hours straight. And then know, it just took my whole
0: you know, day. Remember, but yeah, anyway. but so, but there was no fun there. And then they were mad at me for getting there. So you're, it's kind of like you're going to get hassled on Christmas and Easter for not coming all the time.
1: Yeah.
0: Not welcome home, but like, w- right. where have you been? And right. like, who needs that kind of family, right? right. But, um, but anyway, so in addition to all that, there's this, at a larger level, the theological level, there's this complacency about being stuck and it's almost a, you know that's also a virtue not growing not changing your mind mm-hmm. everything that needed to be figured out was figured out in the 16th century and
2: that's that's the other thing too is i mean if you look at the the life of luther i mean there was some troubling things like his racism and
1: then the Jews. this is the person
2: yes and this is the person that figured out all of this theological stuff and there's no room for growth beyond what Luther figured out.
0: Right. And that, you know, that's actually something I dealt with in 2003 with that, uh, article I did demon semen. Mm-hmm. I was basically asking, you know, um, why is it that Lutherans don't believe well, we've talked about this on the show, that the, the sons of God are supernaturals because they have to believe it, but they don't want to believe it. But more importantly, Luther thought it this way. And then everybody after Luther thought it that way. Mm-hmm. And if you kind of go away from that, there's something wrong with you. There's, there's not necessarily a, a, an iota, really, of, of growth that can happen. Right. And that wasn't necessarily true in evangelicalism because we weren't stuck with this idea of the confessions. Now, I like this idea, you know, if you're going to go for this, there's a distinction in the Lutheran world between the confessional Lutherans. These are the Lutherans that want to just, like, stick to the original intent of the Constitution. I mean, the... Confessions, which is a book that is as fat as the Bible. Yes, the Bible has thinner paper, but you're holding two books to explain this one book, the Bible, and to explain how much you believe that the only authority uh, uh, for faith and practice in life is this book, the Bible, mm-hmm. except the thing that we spent the most time arguing over was the confessions, mm-hmm. not the Bible. There were so few... Yeah opportunities over the years to debate about biblical scholarship, first century interpretate, you know, not first century interpretations, but interpretations of the first century texts. There were people that did that. There are new Testament scholars that would do that. But when you get with pastors or just Lutherans in general, we spent very little time trying to unpack what the Bible said, because you would be in danger of perhaps interpreting it in a way that was against Luther. Or the confessions, oh, the
1: confessions yeah. right?
0: So if the, con- cause you know, sometimes the confessions would maybe be harder. I think it's easier sometimes to work with Luther. Luther had mm. so many different things to say. You can either cherry pick it or you could say, I'm going to privilege the early Luther where he's having these insights before he gets co-opted by the state and uh, mysticism. Freedom. There's a lot of great things that Luther brought. That's what was an yeah. interesting. You know, it's like he's a he's a he's a, a troublemaker in a good sense. You know, and uh, and I think that Luther, if he were alive today, he could be a turd. Who knows? <laughs> he, I mean, you never know. People that I think I I really am really connecting with turn out to be you know alt right weirdos sometimes. That it's just, it, it's hard to know, but there's no reason to believe that a guy like Luther would have been as stuck as the Lutherans are because he was able to make a big move in his life. He saw something and he was filled with integrity. He said, I mean, well, in, in this one way, in, when he said, here I stand, I can't go against my conscience. Mm-hmm. That was something that was really important to me. Yeah. And it is still important to me. You have to follow your conscience. Yes, you do. So I left the Lutheran church for the sake of following that advice.
2: Yes. Yes.
0: But, um, the idea that you're sticking with this, book-long statement of faith is not something that you find in any other real, really context except for the Calvinists. But the Calvinists aren't as stuck as the Lutherans because the Calvinists could go for, you know, the Heidelberg Catechism, or maybe they're going to go with the Westminster style, or maybe they're going to go more with a a kind of a Dutch tradition. There's a lot of options. So uh,
2: who compiled the confessions?
0: Well, the Lutheran, this is funny because there were two groups it wasn't always settled the the winners were the the kind of more uptight crew although i don't want to get into the the who's who in the zoo on this one the the, the difference between the philippists who were more easygoing and the gnesio lutherans who were hardcore the reason that's weird is because some of the aesthetics have shifted mm. whereas the philippists tended to look like they were more traditional in their attire sometimes um, they looked more Catholic. Mm, mm. And so the funny thing is a lot of conservative Lutherans now want so desperately to be Roman Catholic. They think the Roman Catholics are cool. They're they're culture warriors. And, you know, there's, a, there's just a, a love for that. And they kind of want, the Lutheran pastors sometimes want to have what the Catholics have. And that is the indelible character of the priesthood. Once you're ordained as a priest, this is giving you some kind of mana some kind of spirit power mm-hmm. and um, you don't have that evangelicalism the same way No, now you might have in in Pentecostalism an anointed person but I'm not talking about that I'm talking about this idea that the pastor has to be highly trained in all this academic cognitive stuff it's not necessarily the case that he has to be a nice guy or have a bedside manner so many of the Luther pastors did not have a bedside manner would you not agree oh
2: definitely not because of the cognitive piece, I find that there's so many of the seminarians and the pastors in general that don't necessarily have this excitement towards being a pastor. It's kind of like, well, why are you, why are you a pastor? Well, it's, you know, it's kind of like they sort of other things didn't work out for them and they're not sure what they want to do. So then, oh, you know what? I'll be a pastor. And like, then I guess you're called once a church, you know, invites you to be a pastor and then that what kind of solidifies you being a pastor. But the, in the evangelical world, it'd be more like people that are, for lack of a better word, they're really like excited. Like there's like on they're fire, on fire for, Jesus. for Jesus. The Holy Spirit is speaking to them and they want to, you know, be a pastor. They want to, you know, train train either the children or the adults or whatever. Um, and like, I don't know, be there for that whole experience where the in the Lutheran world that we were around, it was all cognitive. So it's okay that you didn't really have any excitement towards the calling.
0: Yeah, I, I think it was interesting. A uh, cool guy we know from our past in that world, uh, Brenton, said something on public uh, social media that having deconstructed, the Lutheran side of things and deconstructed his faith, I suppose did realize that there was something kind of interesting about the charismatics where they could just kind of get into the space that we used to make fun of, Mm -hmm. but there is something in the human experience that maybe needs that sometimes, you know, that got really wacky itself, but the spirituality was something that you were not supposed to have. Right. Like one thing that you like, some people are spiritual, but not religious. They are religious, about being religious and not spiritual. Yeah.
2: And, and I know we've already talked about this a lot in the podcast, I won't go on it. I just, a a slight mention when being an ex Lutheran again is being able to connect to my body. um, Yes. Because it is all cognitive. And so I had to learn, I had to, I had to learn that, you know, I had to learn how to even, uh, kind of listen to my body, uh, I don't know. Like, you know what I mean? Like just like yeah. connect, uh, you know, with, it was all that mattered was, was the head and the brain. And so it's really, really difficult too. When as a woman, especially cause you're, you know, all that mattered was the head stuff, but yet you weren't allowed to contribute to the head world. If that makes sense. Yeah. So the other thing that stood out to me in the conservative Lutheran world was the lack of uh, attention and even funding, but, real care towards children and the children's ministry.
0: They were against youth pastors. Or they did not have youth pastors. They had DCEs. They were opposing their status. Mm-hmm. Even Matthew Harrison wouldn't really treat them with like the same status because they weren't pastors. And almost none of the churches that we went to had like youth groups that were like things we had had in the evangelical world when we were younger.
2: But, and it just, I mean, I know that obviously it's, I think it's wise to, you know, if you were going to have the whole church, I mean, it makes sense that you have the whole family together. Yeah. I get that, that piece of it.
0: Everybody's in this service. If it was a ritual that was healing and not just drudgery.
2: Right. Um, But I still think that, I think that the kids didn't really have a place and that's, that's what bothered me. Yeah. You know.
0: They had a place, but they were just forced to be bored for a long time. I mean, just a horrible experience. You're just like stuck in there.
2: But no, but all that that mattered were the adult men. Yeah, the the women didn't matter. The children didn't matter. The children, they they, they they had catechism.
0: The catechism was the key. So they go to that. Then they do the little acolyte thing. Mm -hmm. That's the important thing. But there's no youth programming. There's no involvement of them. They're going to go and memorize questions and answers from Luther's catechism, mm-hmm. which is totally like not helpful. Like there's not an interesting cat, by the way, on the catech, what I'm saying is Luther's catechism. I'm sure it was fine when you're just trying to teach basic principles mm-hmm. of the faith to the kids in Germany. That's fine. But it's not like the best method for getting people to understand what this thing is. Christianity, even at a basic level, um, if you want kids to remember what it is that they're supposed to be about. But the recently there was a kerfuffle because the LCVS put out a, a, uh, this was in Christianity today. Recently, it put out this, uh, catechism with the notes and the notes, a couple of the notes had been a little bit, um, rightly admitting the problem of systematic racism or something. I, I don't, I'm so triggered by all that. I don't want to dig into it. I'll dig into it if somebody cares and emails us or something. But the main point is that the big fear was not that they had the wrong Christology. That is the teachings about Jesus, you know, Mm -hmm. nature. But the problem was that they were too, it was like maybe too woke, just like Chicago, uh, Concordia, Chicago, no Concordia Mequon was too woke right mm-hmm. uh, by saying that they wanted to have a respect for diversity in their hire like that's the biggest problem that's the biggest <laughs> heresy that you could commit with all this and, and let me give you uh, going back to 2001 an interesting incident that can kind of give outsiders a sense of what this movement was a uh, really important and famous incident but for a lot of people if you're a youngster you know if you're 30 you probably don't have any idea that this went down but there was a president, uh, I've met him, um, the president of the synod. this guy, Kishnick. Um, and Kishnick, uh, Gerald Kishnick, was kind of more on the kind of evangelical side. He kind of reminded me of Lutheran's version of the Crystal Cathedral guy, Schuler, if that means anything to old-timers like us. But anyway, uh, Kishnick uh, got into a lot of trouble and eventually this led to a reaction where we have today where it's a movement towards the right. It's a hard right turn after Kieschnick because a lot of the the old guard got fired up and pissed off because he supported this guy, David Bankey. David Bankey was the Atlantic District president. The Atlantic District is the Northeast and it is not very easy to be a fundamentalist Lutheran up there in that world, right? I mean, it's it's a more... For good or for ill, a more sophisticated universe. When you're in the kind of in New York, you know, or like White Plains, and anyway, uh, after September uh, after September 11th, after the the Twin Towers went down, Banky was part of the interfaith uh, uh, ceremony and prayer service at Yankee Stadium uh, for the victims of 911, and. A lot of people started to, to campaign to just oust this guy, David Bankey. <laughs> and he did. And so, like this guy Daniel Proy said, "Look, um, if you're going to do this by participating with these other non Lutherans, then you are you are being a unionist. You're you know doing this thing that's uh, been totally part of the American DNA for reasons I don't want to get into." other than to say when Lutherans got here, they saw that the Lutherans that had got here first, right? So there's been several waves of Lutherans, 19th century Lutherans from the German thing. They were fleeing the Prussian union. They came uh, to new Orleans. Actually, they met other Lutherans that weren't being very good Lutherans. And they swore we are never going to do anything with these other people. We're not going to assimilate to this American generic American Christianity. So that's, like kind of a main theme within the thing. Um, but they also are against syncretism. That is the blending of two religions. So if you have a Muslim and a Jew and somebody from the Baha'i faith or something, and they're all there together to just be a part of that, to pray with them is a terrible offense. Now there's a group that's even crazier than this. And that is the Wisconsin Synod Lutherans. The Wisconsin Lutherans won't even pray with you at Thanksgiving. They won't pray with their non-Lutheran, non non Wisconsin Lutheran family members yeah that's a that's a whole that's a whole thing but anyway so the Kishnick, uh crowd you know they had some support I mean, that that's where some people thought that the denomination was going kind of going to move more into the America uh, the American evangelical mainstream but ultimately this really set the the church body uh, against itself but also I think the The conservatives kind of won in terms of the power, the power side Mm -hmm. of things, and that's not something that's not something we would have ever really worried about in evangelicalism. If if an evangelical leader, if Greg Laurie could go on on some big stage and pray with other people, he's
2: well. It's your opportunity to witness. Greg Laurie is, by the
0: way, the uh, weirdo from the evangelicals. But
2: it's your opportunity as a pastor to be able to witness to these people in the evangelical world, <laughs> right? Right. That's and, why you would do it. Yeah. And yeah. so like you can set this example, you can, you know, you can be a leader in this community and all these eyes are on you, you know, and you're there offering some sort of comfort that might then have people decide to come to your church. You know, I don't, it, it, yeah. Yeah.
0: There's this idea too. then, uh, the, the thing we've talked about on the show, but is important to restate is that not only is it not very good at working towards social justice, that phrase is upsetting. Yes. They don't want you to be doing any good community work very often because it makes you suspect. It makes it seem like you must not really believe that we're forgiven by the blood of Christ. Why are you trying to do good works?
2: And that's what I don't understand too, <laughs> is that, you know. You know, what kind of person do you want to be? And if it was anything that they thought was, yeah, like they labeled what they, all the things they thought was good works, right? Showing, showing up to church on Sunday is a big, huge one of good works, but that- But you're not working. You're just going to church
0: to be reminded that you don't have to do good works. But
2: that one didn't count, you know, like, but, but obviously, you know, yeah, caring, caring about your neighbor is- a good work and that one you're trying to earn your salvation or something and you're not resting in in Christ's blood enough. And so that there was no it's is like, there was nowhere to go except for Christ crucified.
0: That's it. That's all they preach, which also would be great. Except for there's a couple people that don't get this uh, LGBT people. If you're celibate, you know, you can hang out in the back corner, but you cannot be LGBT. In that world. No. And maybe there's a few that'll say, well, you're, you're, you're forgiven. But if you continue in that way,
2: then the you're, lifestyle, then you're basic, the agenda, you're basically incurring hell on yourself.
0: Right. We heard that directly from one of the young firebrands that we knew, by the way, there was a time when we were at a church and there was a dude who had like a dossier on us and he would yeah. kind of preach against us in the pews for not going to his Bible study. It yeah, was just like strange. He was a, he was a pill. man. But that's,
2: so that's the other piece of it that I had found many of the people that were um, lifelong Lutherans knew very little about their Bible.
0: Oh no. Yeah. Because he <laughs> just, it's in the bulletin.
2: <laughs> well, uh, uh, <laughs> the yeah, parts that they,
0: they want you they to read.
2: Yeah. They wouldn't know how to navigate it. Um, and that's the other thing too, is that, there's like the lectionary, so you know, you repeat these verses every three years if if you're on that cycle or what you yeah. know, I think is there a yearly cycle and then a three year I don't know. That's remember right. There's of a of yearly
0: it. cycle and a three year cycle. And you can pick one. Yeah. But you're not gonna be reading through
2: you're not reading Ecclesiastes
0: through the... and understanding why is this guy saying that there might not be an
1: afterlife.
0: Yeah, you're only
2: yeah, you're only getting the handful of verses that they want to cover. Um, and that's what gets talked through on Sunday, you know that's that's those are the ones that the the pastor will preach on, and it, it yeah. and it recycles if ev- if every three years if you're doing the long version of it. But where what about some of these other verses? They never wrestle with some of these other verses in the
0: Bible. Right now we're griping about some fine points of the theology, but that's kind of what you do in that world. That's kind mm-hmm. of the world. But I, it's about ideas, and you fight about them.
1: Yeah
2: but they believe it they believe in that the bible is inerrant but yet they still pick and choose what pieces of it they want you exposed to
0: well that was the real that's the real game that they play they say the bible's inerrant so if i have a book the confessions that tell me exactly what that inerrant book means and i am the authority st- structure here so then basically my word is inerrant <laughs> as your pastor
1: mm-hmm.
0: and compliance is a virtue compliance is is what we were taught
2: yeah yeah, you didn't question no. you didn't question the pastor.
0: I remember there was a dude who visited one of our LCMS Bible study hours, the nine o'clock hour, and the same not so wonderful young pastor dude was lecturing through some I don't know, the book of First First John, I don't know. And this evangelical guy had been used to being at a Calvary chapel where they they're all sitting around with their Bibles open and the highlighters and this guy was just arguing back about the Greek and this was the visitor, but not in a way. It wasn't combative. It was, that's just what you do.
1: Yeah. It shows
0: like you're engaged. Right. And the pastor, the Lutheran pastor was just so confused. Like, why are you raising your hand? And and I know the answer. Mm -hmm. I am an expert in this. You just Mm -hmm. take notes,
2: Mm -hmm. you know, this is not a, this is not a, a conversation.
0: But all of that's fine enough uh, if you want to play that LARPing game. The problem is, um, oh, they also make a, um, a virtue out of making fun of trans people, making fun of uh, women, um, racist jokes, even if you pretend you're not racist. I mean, that was the world I was living in.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: For, for 20 years, I, I wasn't sure if they were just proud of being uh, transgressive because they were forgiven. That's what I thought they were doing. Like, you know, Lutherans cuss sometimes to prove that they're not evangelicals. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause if you say, I'm not a fucking Anabaptist, then people believe you. <laughs> and so you're like, you're trying to like make it clear like who you are, but they don't, um, they don't, I don't think any of my friends back in the old world would ever say that I'm wrong about the homophobic jokes being present in almost everything. It was a, a boys club where there was cigar smoking and whiskey drinking. And that was the game you sit around. Like you, if, if I'm at a conference, like I used to speak at a lot of these pastors conferences and what we did afterwards, we didn't pray. We sat around and talked theology or booze and drank booze and smoked cigars and said stupid stuff.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That was the game. It was a boys club.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes,
0: It's almost like, you know what it is? It, it, it kind of reminds me. It's, it's, it's a good game. Okay. It's a good game. It's like the, um, grand poobah. It's the, uh, it's the Midwestern kids version of being a part of the Masons. Maybe you don't really believe in all the the lore about the Masons, mm-hmm. but you pretend to do. It's like cosplay.
2: Part of it yeah. was is the difference was because the Lutherans only respected the sort of the male voice in all of it. So they it was far more exclusive of just these like important male gatherings.
0: Yes. There were occasions where other Concordias, other Lutheran colleges had women that were teaching church history and every, all the men were just frustrated that they were in the room, that they that they were, a pr- their, their presence yeah. was giving cooties. Right. right. But I'm saying like, that, that, <laughs> the insecurity about their own masculinity was so sad, yeah. Because they knew that if they lost that perception in their world, they were going to be mocked, and they they would they would mock seminarians. I mean, there's there's groups these these right wingers they they'll they'll call them soy they, you know the soy boys over there. Like, look at them; they got the their you know comfort dogs or whatever. Um, you could get trolled by Lutherans for being too effeminate in some way that they defined as effeminate.
2: So I mentioned in the beginning. About being afraid, like, if we're coming out of this whole system, like, you know, again, are we consigning ourselves to hell? Right. I remember uh, actually being in the shower, kind of contemplating this and, like, shaking, you know, like, am Mm. I, you know, like, really, like, like, messing up here or whatever. And then I told myself, well, you know, to entertain the idea of not doesn't mean you can't go back in, Right. Right. So then, experience what it feels like to not be a part of that, and I believe it was when we were at one of the the at the beach near the river, in when we were in Portland, that you know we were sitting there, and I I realized that that the feeling that I had of allowing myself the freedom of thinking of even getting out of that world, yeah, was so like freeing and I then I realized kind of how scary it was like it's only when you can kind of like step out that you can look in and then say like the the, the very fact that I had to think this way was it uh, kind of more like I don't want to say abusive but maybe I don't know it was like this there's this feeling of just how could I have been so like controlled or like yeah. clueless about this other existence? And then, it, and, and then you realize like, then the real scary part was when we knew that we had to go back into it for a little bit, that it was like painful to think of having to feel that way again and like yeah. be in that world again. Yeah. And it was like, that's,
0: Just couldn't be around it.
2: That's where it was really hard uh, to, like, where you realize, I guess, maybe how much at least it was unhealthy for us.
0: Right. And so I think, you know, I think what we're saying, anybody who's grown up in the world that we're talking about, it's going to be hard to argue that we're not at least responding to things that are really there. We might misinterpret them according to what other people think, but what we're talking about is, is kind of the, the scene, at least the scene that we knew, but we're not doing it to try to air dirty laundry. We're doing it to kind of heal and help other people. If you're in that kind of situation, unpack, say, is this what we were talking about? Because sometimes you just, you don't hear anybody else say, that's weird. Yeah. That's not, that doesn't make sense. You're not supposed to say stuff like that. So we're not here to cause anybody any trouble. We're just helping ourselves and others think about, well, what, what is that? And the fact that you are an adult woman knows darn well that this is silly, but you're in the shower and you're, scared of, of something that they mm-hmm. threatened you with eternal, <laughs> you know, Yeah.
1: Uh,
0: is, now, so these are all things for our personal side, right? But I promised at the beginning that we were going to talk about the ways in which that this has an effect on society in general. We touched on it a little bit with respect to racism. You know, the one thing that I really miss is our friends that are doing stuff with the Lutherans for racial justice. I don't want to get too involved with them because, because we're such heretics, we don't want to taint, anything that they're doing, but we wish (laughs) them well because they're doing hard work. They're just constantly trying to press against very overt racism within the LCMS. Yeah. Like this is a big problem. There are, there are really bad actors, bad players, bad racist, fascist sentiments within that world. The newspaper, the Christian news that came at me and said that it's impossible to protect the kids and to be faithful to science and to believe in the Orthodox faith. Again, they helped me to leave because I think they're right about that. Mm -hmm. If that's what the Mm -hmm. Orthodox faith is, I got to go. But the, those guys haven't done this in a while. The, the Christian news is a publication since the death of Herman Otten, who was the founding guy. Um, they haven't done this as much. They spend a lot of their time still on the anti-trans stuff and anti-woke stuff, but they used to be always running stuff that was either, you know, Holocaust denial straight up or Holocaust denial adjacent. Mm -hmm. Um, you you know, there's that. And there's groups that are far more dangerous. They're dangerous. Yeah, that's what I think. So everything we talk about now is like, boo hoo, our little feelings are hurt, you know, or this this screwed us up. No, look, there is a very, very ethnic white Saxon flow to this scene. As I've said on the show before, there was a famous professor that said something racist directly in front of a student at the seminary about him because he was Latin American. Said some straight up racist. And I said, you know, they say that you guys are are like Nazis, but you're, you're, you're doing it, right? Like right. You, you, I had no idea that you'd be this straightforward. I've seen online, but also in much broader, somewhat open contexts, racist ideology, fascist ideology, white nationalist ideology, anti-Semitism galore that is part of a, a a part of the culture within north america and the reason that i can say this is because those kids at the, the, over there at the and they're not just kids but i'm saying our our friends over there at the the lutherans for racial justice they're not getting a lot of a uh, a lot of high fives from the the denomination in general it it feels like a lost cause that's the way we build
2: it's well and it's bigger than just not getting it's not high the fives only reason we
0: build no they're getting they're getting a lot of trash yeah. talk well, against think- them
2: perhaps even threatened sometimes. Yeah, and, No, no, it's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's no serious, good. It is not serious. a
0: pleasant. I'm saying there, there are very few times when, uh, I have seen that this conversation can get frightening.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And the, the fact is the stuff that I would hear even from kind of middle of the road types, because they didn't realize the world out, around them, they didn't, travel in those worlds they didn't realize how racist they sounded yeah. and were okay yeah. like it and so the, that's the another problem with the, the the lutheran world evangelicals you got the biolas and you got your Westmonts, you got your wheatons you got your azusa pacifics you got your uh seattle pacifics you got your george foxes each of those is a different tradition so you can kind of bounce around here and there and heck you can go over to a calvin college you know there's just different evangelical kind of s- schools the concordias they only are really just this insulated thing People will go from K through 12, then they'll go to the Concordia schools, then they'll go to a Concordia seminary. They don't know what the world's like.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: That's culting. Yeah,
2: yeah, okay. oh, definitely. So the
0: fact is, we go into this podcast, Stacey, thinking, well, let's help people get out of cults, and we're looking at all the characteristics. And although there's some differences, it's, it's basically got its own theology that's closer to some older thing, but it feels a lot like what people describe as being Jehovah's Witnesses or...
2: Well, and even... And it's
0: more sectarian than, than because Mormons. Because we
2: were adult converts, we were also treated differently.
0: Oh, yeah. And Never... We were always outsiders for 20 I, years. And
2: I believe that that was also maybe, you know, maybe part of what made it easier for us because we knew of, of a time and, and other worlds right and and so
0: surprised th- it yeah. yeah and we left and we, the reason we got into it is because we were escaping from all the stupid things that we found in the evangelical world so we thought oh, these guys are cool they can yeah. have a beer they're more down to earth and they're like more about grace and paradox and the other thing and too vocation. Is, is
2: we didn't since we didn't grow up in the traditions like our families weren't totally you know um, yeah Involved well, We anything. didn't know the
0: culture We were in Southern California yeah. Once we got into The middle of the country And mm-hmm. felt What it felt like To be elsewhere We realized Oopsie daisy We found ourselves In a mm-hmm. Kind of A sect Yeah It's a sect It's an odd sect And we love so many people in it And there's so many things about it That were better And more rewarding Than other Types of Christianity I get it but these are some unique things. Now, let me end then with some historical reasons why it's very hard for the Lutheran Church of Missouri Synod not to have a problem with racism and a problem of going against justice. It, there is part of the DNA that includes this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now we love our old friend Uva uh, uh, Simonetto, who wrote that book on uh, the on Luther and kind of exonerating Luther, um, or at least Lutheranism. Uh, with respect to the Nazis, and he's got some great arguments there. Go, you know, we'll link to that. But ultimately, ultimately, there's a lot of protesting. There's a lot of twisting around that we would have to do to try to to say no. Luther wasn't anti-Semitic, you know, and he wasn't really anti-Semitic in the way we think of it today. It wasn't primarily about race. He just really didn't like Jews' uh, ideas, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he saw it through the lens of Catholicism, right? So, like Torah or law, like if you're seeing that, it, the, the Jews just seem to be more like more legalistic than the Catholics, or more works righteousness based than the Catholics. But they're not thinking in, in the same way of heaven and hell. Right. So when you when you read Jewish rabbinic conversations, and you think they're, it's kind of we do this all ours all all the time ourselves. If you come at it from the perspective of a lot of these conservative Lutherans, when I say you can't be saved without care for the poor, I don't mean you're going to hell if you don't care for the poor. I'm just saying you are still caught up in doom.
2: Right. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever you think is the point of it. Somehow you've lost.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Right. I mean, so I, so I can finally read James. Like, so when we were in Lutherans, we did not, though Luther said, you know, James is an epistle of straw. We did not read, re reread James until after we left the Lutheran Church and we read it. We said, oh my gosh, this is an important book. Mm-hmm. Because we weren't reading it as a question of whether I was going to heaven or hell. It was saying, faith without works is useless, Yeah, is dead. Like, what's your point? I don't care. And that's exactly what I think is the biggest sickness within the LCMS by and large. You know, is
2: there something that like snap and you change like a light switch and almost like you think differently? No. Because it's, no. it's not about doing a good work <laughs> and it's not about like trying to be a good person. It's you... Like get transformed
0: right. You literally You wake up You
2: wake up You see the world In a different way You act differently Because of that and, it, it, and that That's why you change That's why you do these things That's why you care for the poor Not because You're trying to prove no. somehow You You know That you're doing good things Or that you're earning your way To you know To heaven Or you know For your salvation Or anything No it's not about that at all It's just Who are you you know, it's the difference of having intrinsic values versus extrinsic values, and and so when it when it all gets internalized and then it becomes intrinsic in yeah. you, you are a different person. Like the things you do, the way you act right. is different.
0: And and Luther, to his credit, was very helpful for saying that repentance is not penitentium dare; it's not to go like do something. As a way of expiating your sins, it's not like going to the sacrament of penance and confessing to a priest. He was right about that. It was uh, metanoia, the Greek, is this idea of coming to your senses, waking yeah. up. Yeah. Waking up. So here's this world now, the LCMS, that is very anti woke, but. But really repentance is enlightenment and and waking up, getting woke is, you know, whatever you want to use by that word. It is funny that we make fun of the idea of peace, love and understanding and waking up (laughs) (laughs) anytime that your rhetoric is opposing people waking up. Are you trying to keep us asleep? Yeah, that's all. I mean, you know, I can understand why people don't like uh, defund the police like as a as a way of describing this ideology uh, critique but certainly being anti-woke is weird to me <laughs> like, yeah. as an idea right yeah. but anyway so luther luther um he does have that part of it uh, but ultimately um he will have these moments we think, oh, he's going to be a good guy. He's going to be on our side. But then he says something like this from his, um, from his, uh, work. It's called the, uh, the work is called against the monstrous thieving hordes of peasants. <laughs> okay. He's working for the man. He ends up working for the man. Yeah. And here's what he says. The peasants, I mean, earlier on he said, Hey, we should like not press the peasants too hard. We should maybe be a little nice to him. But then when things get out of hand, What happened was they, they read Luther's works. They heard what he was saying about freedom in Christ Mm -hmm. Christian on Christian Liberty. And, and they said, yes, freedom. We want to be free. We want full spectrum emancipation. And Luther realized now he was going to get in trouble because the princes of the world and the bankers of the world and the rich people of the world could not have a bunch of people overthrowing the system. Right, and if they were overthrowing the system in the name of this folk hero Martin Luther, then Luther was going to get killed. Mm. And Luther did not; he he lived; he did not get killed.
1: Hmm.
0: He he wasn't a martyr. Luther lived his life out okay under the protection of a prince. Now, I understand. We all have our choices to make. Everybody got choices, (laughs) (laughs) but Luther's. Luther had to make this decision. All right. Can he stand up against the Pope? He did, but he did so under the protection of his elector Frederick and Frederick said, I have jurisdiction. You can't kill this guy. He's my guy. Mm. So there was like a nationalistic, Germanic thing that which I got believe- into
2: the Confessions,
0: which is yeah, definitely, but it goes. But, but the thing what's interesting, I've said that the Confessions are interesting as documents by themselves. The Confessions are great because it's people for the first time saying, "No, this is what we friggin' think." Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, what I'm saying, like, I think that's great. The idea of using that, their confession as something that's going to constrain me—that's where I think you're going wacky. But the idea that a bunch of princes could could speak back to the Pope—that's great. Yeah, yeah to the Holy Roman Emperor, said, "No, we're not doing this." but luther for him to be for for luther to be protected he had to protect upper middle class interests he had to protect the wealthy he had to protect the exploiters mm. and therefore he had to abandon the peasants so he says the peasants this is luther the peasants have taken upon themselves the burden of these terrible sins against god and man by this they have merited death in body and soul so being a leftist revolutionary for luther is going to send you to hell and you deserve to be killed. They have sworn to be true and faithful, submissive and obedient to their rulers. Now deliberately and violently breaking this oath. Luther himself said you can break oaths to the Pope.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: He, that was the thing, right? Mm-hmm. So now he's saying, you're, you're going to go to hell. Cause you, you know, I had this oath. They are starting a rebellion and are violently robbing and plundering monasteries and castles, which are not theirs, but it's like property, property, mm-hmm. property, mm-hmm. They have doubly deserved death in body and soul as highwaymen and murderers. They cloak this terrible and horrible sin with the gospel. Thus, they must become the worst blasphemers of God and slanderers of his holy name. But then he goes on to to just say, hey, um, the princes can go kill him.
2: So money and power won for Luther.
0: Right. Oh, totally. So he says, you know, they can quote anyone who is killed fighting on the side of the rulers may be a true martyr in the eyes of God. <laughs> But if anyone thinks this is too harsh, let him remember that rebellion is intolerable and that the destruction of the world is to be expected every hour. So he's waiting for the end of the world. Don't be, yeah. You know, don't be trying to have social justice in the world.
1: Yeah.
2: Well, and, but, and again, that's what uh, the article of the confessions that you meant that you quoted for why you needed to. Leave and no, you know.
0: For oh yeah, yeah. So in the in the confessions, there is this uh, thing where they're basically saying you have to support the state. This mm-hmm. is Article 16 of the Augsburg Confession. I think I had talked about it on the show. Yeah,
2: you have, but I'm yeah. Just, but for I, to I'm kind of bring
0: it around, yeah, it came
2: back into that's it yeah. got into the confession. So basically,
0: yeah, when we realized that we were spiritual anarchists. And there's a, there's a great long tradition. We believe that Jesus was a kind of anarchist, that uh, Tolstoy, of course, more recently he was an anarchist. There's these Christian anarchists. Jesus also.
2: was not saying you should get in bed with the rulers.
0: Oh uh, No, the, the rulers <laughs> killed him. Yes. So if you want to be like Jesus, no, 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 wait a minute. Good thing. Lutherans don't need to be like Jesus. Jesus, Jesus can be like it. Jesus. <laughs> so Jesus dies for our sins and then we can continue to exploit. Jesus died for our sins so we can still be a part of the capitalist system. Jesus died for our sins. We don't have to worry about refugees. Jesus died for our sins. People are starving. Jesus died for, we don't have to do anything. Jesus did it all. What did he do? He spoke out for the poor and they killed him. Good. That's all we, we did. That's as much as we we're going to have to do. So if you try to follow Jesus' example, that's a bad thing in Lutheranism. We never asked what would Jesus do. That's silly. Spend a lot more time with Paul. Wouldn't spend a lot of time with actually reading Studying and internalizing the teachings of Jesus. So, check this out. Um, that leads us to the one of the cool guys. Uh, you know, I still, I'm not going to be some fanboy of Dietrich Bonhoeffer anymore. It's I've got other things to read, but there are some things that were interesting about what he said. He he has some very interesting stuff to say in the ethics, and I love that idea that he says every call of Christ leads to death. Mm. You know when when Christ Or mm-hmm. the way that it used to be translated Is when Christ calls a man He bids him come and die Yeah
2: Yeah pick up your cross right? He
0: died Opposing Hitler A plus mm-hmm. Pal Now he did have a pen pal Maybe a fiance I forget 15 years old That was his youth group kid I don't like that mm. People say well that was a different time P- Probably mm, yeah. I don't know I mean you know
2: I really do hate The fact that especially in the Lutheran circles, I would hear as any kind of, if I brought up certain concerning things, it was, Oh, it was a different time. You know, you're, you're, you're coming at it from a a 20, whatever. Luther said, you, you say the, the, the number year and you're looking at it from that perspective. And it's like, well, there's, I believe that there is definitely a right and a wrong. And I believe that is, that's solid. That, I, and I also believe in situational ethics, but I am saying that... Yeah, in a certain
0: situation, there's a thing that you should probably do. Right. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um. But I will say that there is, like, this This is definitely right, and this is definitely wrong, and the the age and maturity and everything else of a 15-year-old is not spouse right. material, period. You know, like that... You, yeah. You know, even, like you if, should be able to even if the this. culture did it, because otherwise... But that was a different time. Like, no. Right. No. This right. is a human being. <clears throat> enslaving
0: people was never cool. And there have been sages over the years that said no we shouldn't eat animals right so before luther there was francis of assisi yeah (laughs) so like you know
2: just because just because the modern society is active in doing something and it's unhealthy doesn't mean that it was okay because it was a different time and i guess that's that's and that uh, honestly is what i think is important because i think if you know friends like What in our society is not okay and what sorts of things do we justify partaking in?
0: That takes us to the Bonhoeffer thing because I want to share two interesting quotes from him that I think are cool. But as I started introducing it, I recognized that there's that other thing that makes me uncomfortable. And I still think I want to share what those things are because I think they're helpful concepts, but it never occurred to us that we could just walk away from the whole thing. You say, mm-hmm. like, well, I'll take this guy as opposed to <laughs> that guy, right? Because like Bonhoeffer is better than <laughs> the German church Nazi guys. <laughs> so that's good, right? <laughs> no, I don't have to choose between the anti-Nazi Lutheran false dichotomy. pastor. Right. Thank you. Yes. False bifurcation. Informal fallacy. Anyway, but the famous quote is cheap or the, the concept is cheap grace. And when we were growing up, Stacy, how did people talk about Bonhoeffer and cheap grace in the conservative Lutheran world generally?
2: Cheap grace is that because you are forgiven, that then you can live as you please. And be evil. And be evil because you're already forgiven.
0: And this is why I still I like Bonhoeffer as, his, as a thinker because he said, it's better to do a bad thing than to be evil, an evil person. People were saying, well, the Bible says you should respect your authorities. Romans 13 says you can't, you know, go against the government. Luther says you can't rebel. So he's sitting there. Bonhoeffer's thinking, I want to work to assassinate Hitler. Mm -hmm. Hitler is a madman. We need to take him out. He's kind of a pacifist. So how can he be a pacifist? How can he be a pastor that doesn't shed blood? How can he be a Lutheran who's following the tradition of Luther who says you shouldn't be a rebel? How can he kill a ruler? You're not supposed to. It's because this guy's a madman. Mm, This guy's mm -hmm. a Nazi. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Nazis friends are, are fair game even for pacifist pastors, you know? Why? Because Nazis are, are committed to everything that is evil in the world. But the point is he thought, no, you need to act, but there's all these Christians. So called that say, Oh, because of Jesus, I actually can't do something that's helpful. Yeah. I'm going to not do the right thing so that I can be pure.
2: And I think, I guess that situational ethics, I think that's actually the wrong call. What? To to not do that that act.
0: Yes. Right, right, right. I don't know if Bonhoeffer would have called it that, but I think that's exactly the same kind of thinking. It's a virtue. I think Bonhoeffer was definitely a, a virtue ethicist to say, don't ask what the rules are here. What should a good person do? What is the right thing? Right. A person of integrity. What are you supposed to do right now? Right. Instead of looking up the book... Right. What does the confession say about opposing your... Shut up. This is Palpatine. (laughs) Right. Right. Lightsaber him, right? So cheap grace, he says, means grace... You're exactly right about what this is, because it's... He says cheap grace means grace sold on the market like cheap jacks wears. These are the quotes that we would have, and we'd say, I don't even know what that means. And we always thought in conservative Lutheranism that what he meant, or at least what we were told was, he meant that Bonhoeffer wants to take away your assurance of salvation. He he wants you to say, oh, I have to earn my salvation through being a good person. No, that's not what he's saying. He says, the sacraments, the forgiveness of sins, and the consolation of religion are thrown away at cut prices. Grace is represented as the church's inexhaustible treasury from which she showers blessings with generous hands without asking questions or fixing limits. Grace without price Grace without cost. The essence of grace, we suppose, is that the account has been paid in advance. And because it has been paid, everything can be had for nothing. Since the cost was infinite, the possibilities of using and spending it are infinite. What would, be, what would grace be if it were not cheap? And so that's the part that we always heard, again. And that sounds to me a little bit like they're taking away unconditional love yeah but what we didn't know when we were reading this or when we were given that quote as young conservative lutherans is that he's talking about life in the emerging nazi world Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) it makes sense to us now when we understand the way power and money are playing into this he says so he goes on if you keep going he says cheap grace is the preaching of forgiveness without requiring repentance yeah. And we said, oh, well, repentance is becoming a better person. He says, no, you could be forgiven. Are you aware that being an anti-Semite is a huge problem here? Right. right. <laughs> and if you're not, then no, you can't be forgiven for that.
2: Because you, you ha- there's no, yeah. you're in it.
0: You're in it. Like, right, now, it's like... No, if forgiveness means uh, I absolve you, let your conscience be free. No, you shouldn't have an untroubled conscience if you're doing something really bad. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's the whole point, right?
0: Ba- that's right. It's like, ba- your
2: conscience hopefully should yeah. be bothered.
0: Baptism without church discipline, communion without confession. Absolution without personal confession. Cheap grace is grace without discipleship. It's grace without learning what Jesus is talking about. I'm an antinomian. I don't believe in rules. Mm -hmm. I do believe in love. I do believe in virtues. So discipleship for me is saying, what is it to be a student of Jesus? Yeah. And I like that better than being a follower of Jesus. Because I think follower of Jesus sometimes is a way that's I, I think it's helpful for a lot of people and it could be helpful and we've said that we are followers of Jesus if that means hey I'm, I'm tracking with what he's saying here, but to be a student or a disciple I think is actually more helpful because what it's saying is I want to try to live this way with the world, which is again, not statist. Right. It is pro poor people you know anyway but grace without cost grace without jesus christ living incarnate they the, the, he's realizing that these lutherans this is a critique of lutheranism itself that jesus becomes like an algebraic formula uh, an equation mm-hmm. jesus is not a living and incarnate opponent to the beast of rome
2: yeah and so and what does <laughs> i just don't understand like oh what does it mean to them then to be the body of Christ
0: to be part of the communion service and to do like dishes like and volunteer for the men's breakfast. Do you see what I'm saying? The body of Christ is being a part of the institution of the church, not the embodiment of, of this way, the way of, this is why we say you probably should, you know, if you read Jesus, you might think that the, the only real answer to following Jesus is to go to church for Jesus sake. Yeah, you you have to think about it that way. It's not that you're like, oh well, I don't want to go to church because I'm lazy. I want to take my kids. To-. No, I don't want to be a part of institutional church because it's getting in the way of Jesus.
2: Correct, and that's our that's our.
0: And I don't care. And by the way, I don't. If Jesus says I'm stupid, then I just dis- I, I, I unaffiliate. If it turns out that Jesus was much more of a of a, a weirdo than the Gospels presented, it, I'd say, well, then that's then no. But the parts that are are good, true, and beautiful, we say yes. You know, like we right, don't, right. it's not about teams here. Right. Bonhoeffer, if you go in to the cost of discipleship, the book from which this quote comes, it's basically it makes a lot more sense in context. He's saying that the church just kind of gives people a pass to be crummy. Yeah. And therefore also anytime when we were growing up, if you wanted to be a, like a, a nice person or be a good person, that was suspect. They were mad at you. <laughs> That was like the only real thing you could do wrong is try to be a decent person. Yeah. There was always a few. There's always like those studious Lutheran pastors that were goody two shoes that everybody kind of tolerated and say, okay, that's fine. You know, but like if you actually want to be a good person in the world, just a good person, that seems weird to conservative Lutherans very often. Anyway, but you know what the most interesting thing is when we were were talking about that idea of ghosting church Is that I also want to end with returning to this idea of religionless Christianity. If friends, you are a Lutheran or you're thinking of Balin, but you still like some aspects of it. Fine. The problem is, are you going to be able to do the things that are the best of what Luther taught in the institution that is ground down to a halt? Is stuck in the ground. Do you want to do it there? Because I don't think it's going to work. More importantly, if you think you love Jesus, I'm suggesting that maybe the institution that comes to us through the 16th century peculiarities of a historical time and place where the Roman Catholic church uh, was not being great, (laughs) Luther had great things to say in that context, Mm -hmm. but having to freeze that and stay with that in the 21st century is going to cause us to not be able to be the embodiment of the Jesus ethic in the world. Right. Now we're like, we're so burned by so much of this stuff that sometimes we're just like, we don't really affiliate or even right now spend a lot of time marinating in the Jesus stuff. Lately we have, we've got previous episodes where this was actually helpful for us that reading Jesus actually was helpful for us. But, but I think that this concept of religionless Christianity that comes from Bonhoeffer's letters and papers from prison is something that I will always want to keep with me because I think it is definitely the best option for people that still want to identify as Christian. They say, I read these texts. I love Jesus. I love what I'm reading in these first century documents. I love a lot of the mystery. I love whatever. There's something that you love about Christianity. Do it. Great. Great. Just like people want to be secular Buddhists or they want to be religious Buddhists, that's fine. You don't have to be a member of a Buddhist church. You can just be Buddhist. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to be a member of a Christian church. Just Be a Christian.
1: Yeah,
0: That's fine. Think, if you want to think Christian, think Christian. We don't tell you how to think. We don't care. We don't want you to hurt yourself with bad ideas. But here's what he says from prison. He says, quote, you would be surprised and perhaps even worried by my theological thoughts and the conclusions that they lead to. What is bothering me incessantly is the question what Christianity really is for us today. He goes on. We are moving towards a completely religionless time. Now it turns out that there was a lot more religion after that, hmm. but I think he was right. I think I think we're living in that now, but there was that little bump because of the Cold War, everybody got religious again to pretend to not be, you know, Jesus is our mascot and we're not communists. Mm. The rise of evangelicalism under Reagan, th- this is a right. weird thing, but we'll, that's another story. But I think ultimately the kids don't care. They just, the kids don't care.
2: If you look at what some of the research, some of the research says that's been done and the declining numbers, right? I don't know. Anyway, I don't need to get into all that. But, but
0: it, I, I think my my hunch is that I know people have been saying it's going to collapse anytime. I think with the internet and AI and all, nah. The the institutional structure of the LCMS LCMS is gonna become a very small little relic. It it has no it it it's not going anywhere. I'm not saying, hey, we're not going anywhere. I'm saying it's not getting off the ground anymore. It's, there's not going to be a new iteration of a revived Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod that's right. relevant in the world. No. It'll always be like, oh, yeah, that's the Jehovah's Witnesses over there in that corner. And there yeah. might be a lot of them, you know. But he says, so wait, we're relig- we are moving towards a completely religionless time. People as they are now simply cannot be religious anymore. I wish that were actually more true. (laughs) Right? Like you're like, this doesn't make sense given how like this hellscape we're in. And the and the way that these we're so you know, there's yeah, there's shootings all the time. There's just like so many church scandals of of sexual abuse. That no one even cares anymore. They come out all the time on my religion news feed. They don't even make it to the main news. Unless there's like a great documentary about Franklin Graham or something, you know. Even those who honestly describe themselves as, quote, religious, end quote, do not in the least act up to it. And so they presume to mean something quite different by religious. So if you friends that are listening, you think, I like the word religious. Fine. What do you mean by it? Because what Bonhoeffer is saying is a lot of these people who say they're religious, they're not very spiritual. They're not very good people. Right. And not like, Oh, they're they're hypocrites because they're not able to get their act cleaned up. No, they're just bad people. (laughs) And they've got a logo that's a crucifix or something. And he says, this is Bonhoeffer still. And if therefore man becomes radically religionless, and I think that is already more or less the case else. How is it? For example, that this war in contrast to all previous ones is not calling forth any religious reaction. What does that mean for Christianity? He never got to expand on what that meant. They killed him. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know, as he's in prison, he says, you know, I think if he would have lived longer, it would have been very interesting to see how he would have teased that idea out. I think it's very attractive because what I like about hanging out with, say, Buddhists Is that there are some, you know, you could be in the same space with a secular Buddhist and somebody who's really into the bodhisattvas and that's helpful or Mm -hmm. something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you just, you just flow with it, whatever. And you just like, how do you see this? And, And maybe you don't want to get too caught up in the bodhisattva conversation. You're hanging out with just the mindfulness people. But there's no club. Yeah. I mean, there are some places that have Buddhist, but I'm saying like when you're just hanging out with people that have explored these things, or maybe somebody has got more of a kind of a a Western adoption of uh, some Hindu principles or something. Um, Great. When we go to yoga, there's people have a kind of family resemblance Mm -hmm. or there's a, there's a kind of vibe. There's a kind of way of talking and it's interesting and you can kind of slide in it, slide out of it. This idea that to be a Christian is to be a member of some organization with a bunch of dudes that have bylaws and stuff, that's dead, man. That's that's <laughs> a no that's a dead end. That's a nowhere zone. So you got all these people panicking about how they're gonna keep these buildings going. Mm. And they don't care about refugees starving in the Sonoran desert.
2: But it's also that's the only world they know, it's the only world yeah. they have, it's how they're feeding. Oh, I've their got families. deep compassion. And yeah. and I, so,
0: how oh, hell you, we know?
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we you know like if you're so stuck in it. stepping out,
2: that, stepping out of that world and trying to figure out how you're gonna, you know, take care of yourself, have health insurance, and feed your families, uh, maybe retire. Um, it just it looks it looks quite bleak. Oh yeah, it's hey really, hey, really, make really, no really, mistake. Really when Christ
0: calls a man, he bids him come and die. We, you know we are working harder. We've ever worked to just make it. Mm-hmm. And I I look back and I'm like, if I would just, I mean, if I didn't intentionally incinerate the bridge that said, I will never work at a George Fox, I'm here in a town where there's a couple of Christian colleges that I'm pretty sure I could make double what I'm making now. And maybe I'd do something that would be less thrilling than I would have done in an ideal setting. Right. I would never have wanted to be, uh, the chief academic officer that's only in charge of assessment. Oh, I might do that now, but once you leave that weird cult world, mm-hmm. you might not think it's a cult world. Let me tell you who thinks it's a cult world, friend. You're, you you want to join us in the in the exile? You're thinking about it. I hope you do. I hope you've got some friends that maybe can connect you to some skills and, and some things outside of maybe ministry or if you're a religion professor. <laughs> But n- I, I think I, people don't want to get that close to us because of the Lutheran Church of Missouri sin in our real, rear rearview mirror, mm-hmm. like.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> It's kind of like, wait a minute, you were ex Scientologist. That's cute. Like, I want to hear your story. That's cool. That's cool. I'm totally glad for you that you got out.
2: Then, like, who are you? I wouldn't you trust. Got, I
0: wouldn't really trust you, you messed, man. Messed you can't. Yeah, that. you yeah. can't. Like, I don't know. Like, that's a weird world, man. Yeah. You know, and people know it. They can smell this, think of it. And I said this at the Mockingbird uh, thing that I did in, in New York a while back. The the problem with the church is not that the kids are too afraid to go to church because they think they're sinful. They know that the church is sinful. Yeah. As a, it, is a, it is propping up these bad parts of society right? as a church, not maybe Christianity, but like whatever this church thing is, and that the stink of the church is like poo on your shoe. It doesn't matter. There's no, you can't explain it away. You're in the car. Get out of the car. You smell like poop, right? Mm-hmm. Now, I think that's um, unfair. And for those of our uh, friends who are allies to people that want to get out, please help them. Help us if you want. But you know, like I'm saying, like, if you have a friend that wants to get out of being a pastor or a missionary or something, they need to like retool, help them. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Because it's not just emotionally, personally lonely. It's what we didn't realize is how insulating it was. Yeah, I had been in non-denominational world. I was making more money when I was 29 than I've ever made really since. (laughs) (laughs) And was, uh, you know, assistant provost and doing all this other stuff at Colorado Christian university, but it was ecumenical. Yeah. I, I actually had more interactions mm-hmm. with, uh, the Zen Buddhist guy. And I was doing the stuff at the university of Denver. There was the interfaith luncheon and stuff. I had friends in you
2: were supposed to be part of the conversation and the dialogue and and engage people.
0: By going to Concordia Irvine for all the wonderful things and all the friends, I ended up having nobody that wasn't part of that system that was in my life. Mm -hmm. And so I don't have any networks outside that really that I could draw from in the same way that I could have if it was just a a mishmash, right? Mm -hmm. And everybody there, their pedigree is only within the Lutheran world. Nobody knows who they are. Right, You might be the most important Lutheran theologian in the LCMS. N- nobody knows who you are. Yeah. You don't want to be known, right? Because really, if you think about I've I've, I've heard this kind of thing in the Lutheran Church Missouri, said it, maybe this will be my last pot-, pot shot. We need to do something about the declining numbers. We need to do evangelism. For too many Lutherans, evangelism is about um, not having birth control.
2: Right? They want to have Make babies. babies. More babies.
0: Yeah, the you know, Mormons did that. That's cool. Mormons are nice, at least. <laughs> they make nicer uh, <laughs> pastries friends thanks for hanging with us we're a little bit down today but we're so glad you're with us you know we're, well we're, we're, and we're, it's
2: you know it's 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 heavy because you know we're also processing this you know there's some trauma related to all of this in our own lives and, and how we feel. Right. And, and so we're, as you, you know, as we go through and we think about this and we process it, it's heavy. It's not, you know, it, it, it's a thing, right? It's (laughs) It's like a funeral. We're not sitting here
0: gloating going, ha ha. We're so much better than them. Like, like, no, oh gosh, that was like kind of like when you get out of a bad, like weird relationship, even though you like the people, maybe it's like, that was not a good pattern.
2: It's sad to think that, this is a conversation and uh, it, it'd be better if it didn't have to be or not. You know what I mean? Do you hear what I'm saying?
0: Well, what do you mean? Just
2: that, 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 this existed, that this exists, that
0: all this stuff that we encountered, right. It was gross and weird. Right. And it took a lot of my energy and it wasn't even fun. At least if I was like hanging out with some whack guru, you know, <laughs> I can get like kind of tripped out on his feet, you know, like, Oh, I tell you, Darshan, <laughs> his feet,
2: man. Anyway, but that's not you know that's not that's not it that's not the whole no, entire we keep story moving. you know we keep hop moving. to another lily pad <laughs> froggies all right well peace upon peace Please also follow us on Twitter at the PYNP and rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you found this show of any help, uh, why not share it with a friend? Until next time, peace upon peace, friends. But he said
1: that wasn't any letter. He said I was going out of my mind. Not going
0: out of your mind. You're slowly and systematically being driven out of your mind. Why? Why? That's because you found this letter no too
1: much.